You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Our Words. Hello, my radio friends. Thank you for joining me today. I hope God has blessed you this last week, and I hope you have begun to realize that God loves you and wants the best for you. But of course, that doesn't mean that you'll get all the things you want. Some of those things are probably not good for you. Trust God. He knows what's best. We also need to realize that the very best thing for us is to honor God in our lives, in our drinking, our eating, our work, our pleasure, our interaction with others, our entertainment, and our speaking. And that introduces the topic for today, where we will be discussing what comes from our mouths, that is, our speaking. Of course, we'll look at this topic from a biblical point of view, that is, what the Bible has to say about the subject. Just recently, I met a man who had significant speech problems. No, he didn't stutter, and no, he wasn't dumb. His problem was that he found it difficult to include in what he said any other adjectives except those which began with the letter F. A typical sentence he would say would go something like this. As I was effing well coming along the effing highway, a effing great effer of a kangaroo effing well hopped out in front of the car onto the effing road and I almost effing hit the effer. <laughs> It sounded to me like a cracked record that keeps repeating the same line over and over. Needless to say, I was not impressed by the man's use of the English language. But you know, such talk is fairly common in Australia. It may be pleasant to hear to some people, but not to me. What did Jesus say about how we should speak? It is recorded in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. Jesus said this, Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And then he goes on and says, Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. What Jesus means is that our language should be clear, pure, and truthful, and not be embellished with curses, oaths, expletives or swear words. Now that does not mean that what we say or write should be sterile or unimaginative. We can construct what we say to be interesting and beautiful. There is no condemnation in that. There is another particularly common thing which is heard today. It's where people use the name of God in a careless or flippant manner. How many times do you hear the expression, Oh my God! When somebody says that, I generally ask them, uh, Which God are you talking about? 
The expression, oh my God, is in direct opposition to the third commandment, which is found in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Put plainly, it is a sin to misuse the Lord's name, that is, to take the Lord's name in vain. You may have heard people say, Jesus or Jesus Christ, when they are surprised or upset. Both these expressions are taking the Lord's name in vain. But did you know that there are some derivations which mean the same thing? They are cripes, crikey, gosh, and gee. It's better not to use those kinds of words at all. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Now, what about swearing? The term swearing has two meanings. Firstly, it means to call on the name of a third party to confirm what we say is reliable. An example of that is, by George, or by God, I'll get even with that fellow before he even knows it. The second meaning of swearing is to use expletives or oaths to embellish what we say. An example of this would be, I'll get even with that so-and-so fellow before he so-and-so knows it. The so-and-so, of course, standing for that swear word. We'll talk about the first of these two swearing meanings, and that is calling on a third party to confirm what has been said. You've probably heard such expressions as by God or by George or in heaven's name or by gum and so on. In reality, calling on a third party to be a guarantee that what you say is true is no guarantee. It's a waste of words. Do you know, Jesus spoke about that too. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 36. This is what he said. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Little story. When I was a child, I had to travel 21 miles, that is a little over 30 kilometres, each weekday to school on a school bus. One afternoon on the homeward journey, various other children were talking and using certain swear words, which they obviously had heard at home. Although I was part of the conversations, I did not swear. And then, for some unknown reason, I used one of those swear words. I was so disappointed in myself, and I still remember the feeling of shame that came over me. 
It was like I had lowered myself into a baser realm of existence. I felt common and cheap, and determined at that moment never to use such coarse language ever again. There was no reason for me to use coarse language then, and there never has been a reason to use it ever since. The Bible records another profound but simple statement by Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16. It is, By their fruits you will know them. By our actions and our words, others will know what we are like. And it's so true. When we speak, we reveal to others what we are like. Let our actions and words be pure, wholesome and trustworthy. Some good advice is to be found in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In the book of Mark, chapter 7 and verse 15, we read this. Again, these are the words of Jesus. He said, Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. That means something like this. There are bad things that we see and hear that we have no control over. They're just there, and we're not always able to avoid them. But what comes out of us is a result of our own choices. We are responsible for it, and therefore if we say bad, profane, immoral words, then we are deliberately sinning. Jesus continued, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. You know, what goes into our minds does not defile us. It's what comes out. Mind you, it is wise to control what goes into our minds as well. If we absorb only good things, then there is a much greater likelihood that we will say and do good things. If we absorb trash, then there's a much greater likelihood that we will say and produce trash. You might be surprised that the Bible has so much to say about what we say. In the book of James, chapter 3, the Bible speaks about taming of the tongue. It's found between verses 3 and 10. This is what it says. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. 
Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, by but a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And then the Apostle James says, My brothers, this should not be. All too often, When we are stressed or upset, we say things that we may regret afterwards. The trouble is that once we've said something foolish, it's hard to take those words back. Careless words and angry words can affect our relationships. Words said in haste may have a long-term effect. There is a wise saying, Act in haste, repent in leisure. That means that words or actions that happen without considering the implications may have long-lasting negative effects. In what we do or say, we would do well to consider what the end results are likely to be first. The tongue indeed is small, but it's a hard thing to tame. We need to be on guard and consider what we say before we say anything. It would be good to have a filter in our minds to keep what we say positive and constructive. We'll have a little musical break now, and we'll come back to this afterwards. Come and listen in to a radio station Where the mighty host of heaven sing Turn your radio on Turn your radio on If you want to hear the songs of Zion Coming from the land of endless spring Get in touch with God Turn that radio on Listen to the glad hosannas roll. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Get a little taste of the joys awaiting. Get a little heaven in your soul. Get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. Turn your Yeah. 
I think they were actually singing about prayer. Turn your radio on to get through to God. Just before the break, we were considering the fact that it would be a good thing to have a filter to um, keep what we say to be positive and constructive. The Bible tells of such a filter. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. It says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If we have something to say, there will be no bad effects if it is said in such a way that God is honoured. Others have a similar filter. They think to themselves, what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say? If those words or that action passes the Jesus test, then it's most likely okay to say, say those words or to take that action. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 32, there's some other very good advice. It says, Do not cause anyone to stumble. None of us is perfect. All of us are at different stages of life, of maturity, and of emotional and spiritual development. Because I might think that I have reached a position of emotional or spiritual maturity is no reason to put someone else down, to make them feel inferior, or to hurt them with my words. Human nature is a strange thing. Often people who feel, feel inferior or insecure in themselves bolster their self-ego by attempting to make others feel bad about themselves. They say things to others that are nasty or deprecating. They think that they, then, have become superior by making others feel inferior. That's a tactic used by bullies and has no part in a Christian's interaction with others. It's far better to build others up and make them feel good about themselves, and then you can rejoice with them together. Now, I want to deal with something else about our words. It's mentioned in the Bible. It's about gossip. Gossipers speak of the faults and failings of others, or reveal potentially embarrassing or shameful details regarding the lives of others, without their knowledge or approval. Even if they mean no harm, it's still gossip. Of course, gossipers like to think that they have some important inside information and thereby want others to think well of them because they appear to know more than other people do. In reality, the gossip gossiper does not know all the facts. Secondly, if the gossiper has confidential information, then it should remain confidential. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 23 is some good advice for everyone, including gossipers. It says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Have you ever been the subject of someone's gossip? Has confidential information been spread about you? 
Did you suffer negative consequences because of another person's loose tongue? Or even worse, has someone told lies about you? If you can answer yes to any of these questions, you'll know the hurt that you felt and the feeling of distrust you had for the gossiper. Because of gossip, relationships have been broken, friends have become enemies, and partners separated. Gossip is evil. There are several statements in the book of Proverbs about gossip. I'll read some of these to you without me commenting. In chapter 11, verse 13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. And in chapter 16 and verse 28, it says, a gossip separates close friends. And then in chapter 18, verse 8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into a man's innermost parts. Chapter 20 and verse 19, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. And the last one, from chapter 26 and verse 20, it says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. You can understand for yourself the wisdom of what I've just read to you. The Bible is indeed a book of wisdom, as well as being a book about life. And now we need also to consider the subject of lying. Lying is sin. When you tell lies, you do wrong. One of the Ten Commandments, the ninth one, is about lying. It uses a different term, but it means the same thing. The Ninth Commandment says this, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. Put into modern language, the commandment says this, Don't tell lies about others. And what does God think about telling lies? The answer can be found in Proverbs 12, verse 22. It says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Where it says men, we can understand it means people. Jesus was once addressing the corrupt Jewish leaders, and he said this, You belong to your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus was quite clear about the source and origin of lies. Lies come from the evil one, Satan. Lies do not come from God and should have no part in the life of a Christian. But what about white lies, you might ask? Well, white lies are little lies, but they are still lies. They are like little snakes, and they're dangerous. If nothing can be said without telling lies, then say nothing. On the other hand, God approves of us telling the truth. Let our yes be yes, and our no be no, because it is the truth. There is no substitute for truth. 
Law courts seek truth. Proper relationships depend on truth. And when it's all boiled down, we are much happier within ourselves when we both live and speak the truth. There just is no substitute for truth. When you speak the truth, you can look others straight in the eye and have no fear of being found out covering up something you wish to remain hidden. To be true to oneself is a very positive virtue. Then others can trust you, and of course, you're able to trust yourself. But you know, not everyone wants to hear the truth. Some only want to hear what fits their preconceived ideas. They only want to hear what they want to hear, something that is within their comfort zone. In the book of Second Timothy, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, we read, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them great numbers of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away from truth and turn aside to myths. I sincerely hope, dear listener, that you are not someone who only hears what you want to hear. As you've listened to these programs on Give Me the Bible, you've heard things that may have challenged you. Maybe you thought to yourself, yes, what I heard was right. My question to you today is, what will you do with that knowledge I've shared from the Bible with you? Will you just do nothing? Or will you act on what you've heard? Will you sit on the fence? Or will you only want to hear what you want to hear? I urge you that with God's grace, you act on what you know to be truth and become a sincere follower of your Lord who has done so much for you. Stand up for him. And in the meantime, let your words be pure, considerate, and such as that God would approve of them. Unfortunately, our time has gone. Thank you for joining me today, and may you be someone of whom it can be said his or her words are true. His or her yes is yes, and their no is no. In the meantime, I trust God will help you to live a life of goodness, of faithfulness, and to be true to yourself and to others.